She's going to mute me today. <laughs> um, thank you for uh, those that come to Sunday School for, for all the input that is, is said as I share with Dick. The, the Sunday School essentially is geared for conversation. It's geared to get us thinking and moving and sometimes things change and it's good. Those things. So if you would uh, open up to Ephesians chapter 5, we'll continue in there. We're going to hit a lot today, so buckle up and hold on, because there's going to be a lot today. So we'll pray, and then we'll, we'll start our journey. Father, we just thank you as we come to you. Father, we understand that we are weak and we need your strength. We understand that sometimes we are unwise and we need your wisdom. So, Father, I pray today that you would come in your power and you would strengthen us to hear your word and to understand your word. Father, I pray that the light of Christ would shine into our hearts, Father. I pray, Lord, that you would truly be our vision so that we may get your word right, Lord, that we may get your gospel right, and that our eyes would be completely focused upon you. So, Father, do this. Eclipse me, Lord. Give me strength to preach your word. Give your people to hear. Give them, Lord, the, the gift to hear your word and give us all strength to apply your word to our lives. In your name, amen. So as we've been going through Ephesians, we've been in chapters 4 and chapter 5, we've been seeing how Paul is drawing us now to obedience in certain areas of our lives, which encompasses pretty much all of our lives. And we've seen in chapter 5 so far We've seen that we are to walk in love as Christ loved and gave himself up for us. We are to walk in the light, for we are children of light. And today we will look at walking in wisdom. We're looking at walking in wisdom. Please, if you would, look at your Bibles, and we'll be reading from verses uh, 15 through 21 of Ephesians 5. This is what the Lord has to say for us. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, by, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So now we have this move is to walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. We are to look carefully in how we walk, not as unwise, but as wise. So what we mean by unwise is we mean this. It's, it's the, the lack of Christian wisdom. 
It's the destitute of Christian wisdom. It's, it's unwise. Essentially, he's saying, don't be a fool. Don't be a fool. Look carefully how you walk, not as a fool, but as a wise man. Now, we can just take this one verse and we can spend the whole time and the whole rest of this week and the whole rest of the month and next month in Proverbs as we look through the foolish man and the wise man. But we're going to look at what characterizes the fool first. What characterizes the fool? The first thing we see is the fool is characterized by he believes there's no God. He believes there's no God. Psalm, Psalms 53.1 says, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, doing abominable iniquity. There is no one who does good. This is where Paul gets out of Romans. Romans says the same thing. So the fool, first of all, believes there's no God. The fool also believes that he is wise in his own eyes. The fool is wise in his own eyes. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man listens to advice. So we find that wisdom is someone who listens for advice, but the, wise, but the fool does not. The fool is always right. They're never wrong. In Proverbs 18, it says the fool only wants his opinion to be heard. That is it. This is the foolish person. The foolish person is one who does abominable deeds. Psalms 14.1, the fool says in his heart there is no God, just like Psalm, uh, uh, Psalm 53.1. But then he says they are corrupt, they do abominable deeds. This is what they do. They are spiritually foolish. Romans 1, 21 and 22. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they, came, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. So they're spiritually foolish. They see, if we look at this verse, right, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But this is what they do. They become futile in their thinking. And their foolish hearts were darkened. We see this darkness come in. They're no longer light. And so what do they do? They claim to be wise, but they become fools. As we follow that context down, they worship the creature, but not the creator. They're spiritually foolish. They mock at sin. Proverbs 14, 9. Fools mock at the guilt offering, but the upright enjoy acceptance. So they're mockers at sin. They're accepting of sin. They condone sin. This is the foolish person. And you might have some of these attributes. Maybe some of these things are used. Maybe, maybe you and I are people that condone sin. Hey, look, we really live in this world that if it doesn't bother me, it's okay. It's up to you. You want to do that? As long as it doesn't affect me, it's all right. That's condoning sin. That's what we do. We condone sins. Roman one, Romans 1 will, will tell us as, we, as he continues through that, it says that there's those that give hearty approval to all the sins that he just did, that he, that he talks about in Romans 1. Don't be one who gives hearty approval to sin because that makes you a fool. It makes you a fool. 
The fool speaks folly. Out of his mouth comes foolishness. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of fools pour out folly. The things they say are foolish. The things they say are foolish. Those are just a few things that characterize a fool. Now, what characterizes the wise man? What characterizes a wise man? Well, first of all, this word wise means skilled or wise or wise man. So the description of the wise man is the first thing the wise man does is he fears the Lord. He fears the Lord. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. There's a fear of the Lord. There's just not only this holy reverence of God, but I believe this word fear also means it's a fear. You fear him. We need to fear the one. Jesus says, do not fear man who can destroy body, but fear him who can destroy both body and soul. This is a fear of the Holy One, of God in all his righteousness, in all of his his wrath, that he will pour out on people in hell. This is a fear of the one that can send you to hell. It's a fear. But it's not only that, but it's a reverence for who he is. For his goodness and his kindness and his mercy and his grace. It's this reverence. The wise man has a healthy fear of the Lord. Uh, Again, I'm going to throw my dad under the bus. But he's here today, so usually I do it in Sunday school when you're not here. But I remember growing up, he'll deny this, but I remember what I, what I heard. I had a healthy fear of my dad. I really did. I had a healthy fear of my dad. And I remember one day, my dad says that if you do drugs, I'll kill you. And there was that fear. He says if you do drugs, they'll kill you. But I heard, I'll kill you. So... I'm pretty sure I heard what I said. But growing up, I had this healthy fear of my dad, right? And and that was a good thing to have. It was a good thing to have a healthy fear of my dad because it kept me on on somewhat of the right path. And when we have this healthy fear of God, we, we have this wisdom of what God wants for our lives. And we're constantly seeking what he wants for our lives because we want to walk as wise men right? We want to, this wise man, he loves reproof. He loves reproof. Proverbs 9, 8, do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. This is what a wise man loves. He loves correction. He loves reproof. He loves instruction, right? We read otherwise. He loves advice. This is a wise man or woman, a wise person, accepts these things and looks to wise people for that advice and for that reproof and for that correction. The fool will not love any of that. The fool will not love that. So we have the difference between a fool and a wise man. Now, Paul says in this text that there's some areas where we need to be wise. So the first area we need to be wise in is we need to be wise in our time. Wise in our time. Look at Ephesians 5.16. 
He says, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. So this making the best use means redeeming the time. Buying the time back is what we, are, what, what we need to do. We need to do this. Time refers to epics or occasions or seasons. So you and I need to be the redeemers of epics and times and seasons. We need to redeem the time because the days are evil, is what he says. Jonathan Edwards, does that, uh, Jonathan Edwards was a Puritan, and he had all these resolutions that he wrote. And they're brilliant in all his resolutions. But in his fifth resolution, he understood this redeeming the time. And he says this, Resolved never to lose a moment of time, but improve it the most profitable way possible. So he didn't want to use his time foolishly. He didn't want to waste his time. He wanted to use it in a profitable way as possible. And that's what we're talking about is redeeming this time. So how do we, as godly people, as Christians, how do we redeem the time wisely? I think by a few things. By first, we are to be good to those of the household of God. We redeem the time by being good to one another, spending time with one another, praying for one another. We redeem this time. Galatians 6.10 says, So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are the household of faith. We redeem the time by being a living sacrifice to God, by using our bodies for what they're supposed to be used for, by giving ourselves to God and letting God use us in, in, in the times that he needs to use us. Romans 12, 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. But this word spiritual in there means reasonable worship. This is a reasonable thing. After he goes through chapters 1 through 11, and he says all these massively great things about what Christ has done, he says our reasonable response... Our reasonable response is to give ourselves as a living sacrifice. That means it's a giving of our time. It's using our time the best way we possibly can to profit for God. But in this time, we have to remember one thing, that God is sovereign over all time. He is sovereign over all times. Ecclesiastes, this might be some of your guys' favorite section of Ecclesiastes. But this is God's sovereignty over all of time. 3.1, he says, For everything there is a season, and a time for every manner under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to fear and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. God is sovereign over all of that time. We have to remember that he is the one in control of all of time, all epics, all seasons. We must redeem that time that he has given us. Also, by being aware of the shortness of life. 
by being aware of the shortness of life. When I was, uh, when I was doing this, I was thinking of Ildico, actually, because it was just a, an amazing thing to, to walk in the door with her and give her a hug. And then the next thing is she's, she's home with the Lord. I mean, you, you talk about the shortness of life. Holy smokes. I mean, it was just put right before all of us that, that life is short. Life is short. We need to redeem the time. Psalm 39.4, the psalmist says this, O Lord, make me know my end. What is the measure of my days? Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few hand breaths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. And James 4.14, James says, yet, do, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. And I know I'm not preaching to the choir here, but here's one, one thing. I was telling Jenny, we were watching a show, and it said that the average lifespan is about 78 years, right? So I turned 50 this year. I know everybody laugh. So I turned 50 this year, and I was looking at Jenny, and I, I told her, I said, man, really, realistically, I got like 28, 27, 28 years left. And she's like, well, yeah, you know, and all this stuff, you know. And, but the thing was, is I realized how fast the first 50 went. And then all the advice I get from these wise men is it goes even faster. As we get older, life becomes more fleeting. Brothers and sisters, we don't know what tomorrow brings. Redeem the time wisely today. Do it today. Secondly, we see that we're not only to, to have this wisdom in in, in our time, but we are to have wisdom in the will of God. Wisdom in the will of God. Ephesians 5.17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. God, I believe God has two wills in him. Now, this is going to get a little different, right? So I believe that God has this decretive will, his sovereign will, or this secret will. And then I also believe that God has this perceptive will or this permissive will. So his decretive will would be something like this. We do not know the day we were conceived. Does anybody know that day? But God did. Does anybody know the day they're going to die? No, but God does. Those are things that God knows that he has ordained that will take place that we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen 10 minutes from now, but God does. But he does. He has this, this decretive will. Psalms 115.3 says, Our God is in heaven. He does all that he pleases. This is his will. Whatever he pleases to do, he is going to do. Again, in Isaiah 46.10, he says, Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand. I will accomplish all my purposes. God will accomplish all his purposes in spite of us. Whatever he has decreed, whatever he has ordained to take place in your life will come to pass. 
because it's his purpose for you and it's his purpose for you to con to conform you to the image of his son this is what it is nebuchadnezzar understood this very well right nebuchadnezzar after after he was thrown down from his palace because he said look at all of this that i built look at all this that i have done god puts him out into the field for many years where he becomes just like an animal eating the grass and growing fingernails so long he was no different than a than the wild beasts of the field but when he god gives him his mind back this is what nebuchadnezzar says at the end of chapter four in daniel he says at the end of the days i nebuchadnezzar lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me and i blessed the most high here's an idol worshiper and he says i blessed the most high and i praised and honored him who lives forever for his dominion is an everlasting dominion his kingdom endures from generation to generation all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing and he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? This is God. This is the person of God. We cannot thwart his will. He does what he pleases. And a lot of times we don't know what it is. But, but, he has this other will that we see, this perceptive will that we see, and we see this in Scripture. He has told us what his will for our lives is. He gives us directions, and that's what we've been going through. This is everything we've been going through in 4 and 5. Uh, God desires all men to be saved, right? 1 Timothy 2, 3, and 4. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. This is his will. He, he desires for us to be spirit-filled. We'll, we'll dig into this a little bit more. But it says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. This is different than, than the spirit living within us. This is different than, than the spirit residing in us when, when, when we're, we're first saved. But it's being filled with the spirit. It's walking with the spirit. It's walking according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. This is what this being filled with the spirit is. Our sanctification, for this is the will of God. Your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Suffering is part of his will for us. 1 Peter 2.20, for what credit is it when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure, but if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. There's going to be a time, brothers and sisters, and we talked about it in Sunday school today, when persecution is going to come. We are going to be persecuted for doing what's good. What's good? We're going to suffer for Christ. This is part of God's will. To be thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In all circumstances, good, bad, Trials, non-trials, tribulations, sickness, health, riches, poverty. Let's name it. We are to give thanks in all circumstances. All circumstances. This is what God's will for us is. And so we see that 
it's not an extensive list of that is, but it includes what we talk about in chapters 4 and 5 also, about our speech, how we are to be with one another. This is God's will. So we are to have wisdom in our time, and we have to have wisdom in understanding God's will and what he has for us. Third, we are to have wisdom in what influences us. Wisdom in what influences us. Look at Ephesians 5, 18 through 21. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. We'll stop right there. But be filled with the Spirit. What influences us, right? So let's take a peek at this real quick. This word drunk means to be inebriated, to make drunk, or be intoxicated. It's drunk. Don't be drunk, right? Don't be drunk. This word wine simply means wine. Debauchery means unsavedness or self-destruction. So let's look at uh, if we put self-destruction there. He says, and do not get drunk with wine for that is self-destruction, right? And when we're drunk, right, when, when we're drunk, we, we really don't have a whole lot of control over things. We don't have control over what we're doing. And Paul, Paul could be thinking here, he could be thinking of the drunken orgies that they would have had for the temple worships. Right? That's what they would have in those days. They would have these drunken orgies that would take place, and so they would please their deities that they were, that they were doing. So, so let's look at what it doesn't mean, first of all. Okay? What it doesn't mean, first of all, this does not mean you can't have a drink. This does not mean you can't have a glass of wine with dinner. It doesn't mean you can't have a beer. It doesn't mean that you can't you know, have a mixed drink. That's not what it's saying. Because in John 2, we see that Jesus turns water to wine, right? So there was wine at weddings back then, you know, and, and everything. And also, Paul tells Timothy, because Timothy had something wrong with his stomach, he tells Timothy to take some wine for his stomach, right? So there are uses for, for, for drink. They, they would have drinks for celebrations. They would have drinks for non-celebrations, so alcohol in and of itself is not bad. He is not sitting here condemning this. But what he is saying is that we are not to be drunks. We are not to be drunkards, right? Proverbs 21 says this, Wine is a mocker, strong drink a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. We're not wise. You know, we're, it's, we're just not wise. We're to stay away from the drunkard. Listen to Proverbs 23. Be not among the drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty and slumber will clothe them with rags. He says, be not among them. We're not to fellowship with them. We're not to have intimate times with them. This is what we're not supposed to do. We're to stay away from them. Romans 13, 13, let us walk, walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. First Peter, Peter talks about it in verse 4, 3 and 4. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respects to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. 
We're not to participate, simply not to participate. We also have to understand that the drunkard will not inherit the kingdom of God. Again, the one who practices this, that this is a part of his life, that he's an alcoholic, right? He has to have it. He has to have strong drink. He has to have it all the time. Galatians 5, 20 and 21. Idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. They won't inherit the kingdom of God. This is the practice of their life. But they will inherit hell. They will inherit hell. This is what they will inherit. Now, I think this is different for everybody. Like, it's different for me. I can't drink at all. Well, I can, but I put on a real good show for you guys if I did. Because my body doesn't produce the enzyme that breaks down alcohol. So it automatically poisons me. It starts to kill me. Now, that might not be you guys. We, we have to understand that this is different for everybody. You might have someone that can have a drink and be just fine. You might have someone that can have a drink and not be fine. So the main thing that we have to understand is, is that we have to be careful and we have to know a few things. We have to know what our limits are, what our limits are. Plus, I think we have to remember when it comes to this, who we represent. We are believers. We're believers in God. And so we have to be careful with who we represent. I had a client one time, and this is what he told me. He comes in, he sits in the barber chair, and he says, Hey, Mark, how much should a pastor drink? <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I don't know how much a pastor should drink. I said, why? Why, why you ask me this? He goes, because there's a pastor that lives next door to me, and when the recycle bin comes, he's the one guy on the block that's got all the most liquor. <laughs> yeah. Now, I don't know if the guy was, and I know the pastor, and I, I pray that it wasn't, wasn't that, but I don't know. I don't know if he was getting liquored up every night. But what a horrible witness to this guy. What a horrible witness that this guy walks out of his house and says, this pastor over here, he's shepherding God's people, and he's nothing but a drunk. Even though he might not be. But we have to be careful, and we have to be careful when we do this because of who we represent. We have to be careful because people are watching what we do. But I also think what this means is just not to be drunk with wine, but it's those things that we have to be wise in and what influences us the most, right? It doesn't have to be strong drink. We can be influenced by many things, right? I just have 10 of them that we could be influenced by. Drink, sex, drugs. I just threw rock and roll in there because it was the natural thing right? These are, these are things that could be an influence to us, that if we give ourselves to them, they're going to influence us. Drink, sex, drugs, rock and roll, money, power, prestige, the news. Oh my gosh, the news is horrible. Turn it off, people. I'm saying this because it can influence us in so many different directions that it causes us to become anxious and worrisome, right? It causes us to be, oh, man, did you see Biden's news conference? Nope, didn't see it, didn't listen to Hannity or my dad's guy, Tucker Carlson, 
Didn't listen to these guys, you know. We all love you, pops. So, but we have to be careful with what influences, or even sports, right? Being dominated by sports, whatever your sports team is, right? You can have fans, and then you can have fanatics. And those fanatics are, are the ones that are influenced by all of their sports things. We have to be careful with what influences us. And even parents with kids, right? Video games. Video games. Be careful. Their video games can be what influences them. I see it all the time in the barbershop. That's how I get into these kids' minds. What video game are you playing? I'm playing Fortnite. I'm playing Call of Duty. I'm playing Assassin's Creed. You know, I know all of those so I can talk to the kids. But these are things that these kids spend hours and hours and hours and hours doing. If you don't think it's an influence on them, you're, you're deceiving yourself. It is. So instead of being drunk with wine, what are we to be? We're to be filled with the Spirit. We're to be filled with the Spirit. This is where we, we want to be. This is where we want to be. We want to walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh, is what Paul says in Galatians 5, right? This is what we want to be. We want to be filled with the Spirit. We want to be led by the Spirit, right? So here's the first thing. As we are filled with the Spirit, we sing. We are those who sing. Look at Ephesians 5.19. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. We are those who are joyful people, and we sing to the Lord. This isn't us coming up and talking to each other in song or talking to each other with thouest and doest. Have you doest this? Be sure we get the King James Version in there, right? But this is us singing. It's having a joy in our heart because we're filled with the Holy Spirit. So our voice is raised to God, right? Psalms 95.2, let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Just a challenge. When we come into the presence of the Lord, when we're in heaven, and just think if we're going to sing, Be Thou My Vision. Do you think we're going to be singing it like this? Be Thou My Vision. I don't think so. I think we're going to be so overwhelmed by the glory and the majesty of God that our voices are going to reach to the heavens of heavens, to the heavens, to the heavens. Our voices are going to be loud and boisterous because we're going to see the lamb on the throne who was slain, and we're going to sing Psalms 105 too. Sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of his wondrous works. This is being filled with the Spirit. We sing, we tell of his wondrous works. We tell the unsaved what he has done for us, and we sing to him. Being filled with the Spirit means we give thanks. We give thanks. Look at verse 20. Let me find verse 20. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks always. Job 1, 20 and 21. Now everybody knows what happened to Job. Job lost it all. He lost his kids. He lost his cattle. He lost his homes. But the Lord left his his wife, this is the thing I understand, and she was the only one that sat there and said, curse God and be dead and die. But he gave thanks, right? This is everything, Job lost everything. 
And this is what he says. Then Job arose and tore his robes and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, I pray I can do that when the Lord decides to take it all away from me. I pray I can be the one that just sits there and and my hands are like this. Lord, it's yours. You take it. This is being filled with the Spirit, brothers and sisters, is when hardships and trials and tribulations come and we can sit there and we can come open-armed, hands raised, singing praises to God and thanking Him for the trials and the tribulations and the hard times that we are in or even in the good times that we are having. This is being filled with the Spirit. Psalms 4, or Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. We're to be thankful. That's being filled with the Spirit. And finally, being filled with the Spirit means that we submit. We submit. Look at verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, this doesn't just go to one another, right? Yes, we are to submit to one another, but what else? Paul tells us in Romans, and Peter tells us in Peter, that we are to submit to the governing authorities, right? Listen to Romans 13, 1 and 2. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. We are to submit to the governing authorities unless they put us in a position of sin. Daniel, great. Daniel chapter 6, right? Daniel was cast into the lion's den. Why? Because he prayed. What was the decree that Darius put out? The decree that Darius put out was that you couldn't pray. But that was sin. So Daniel went against it. Brothers and sisters, we have to know that we are to submit to the authorities unless they cause us to sin. 1 Peter 2.13 says the same thing. Be subject to the, for, for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor or supreme. This one's interesting. Both of them are interesting because both of them have said, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, be subject to the Lord's sake for every human institution. And Nero was the emperor. And we all, need, we all know that Nero was the kindest guy to Christians, right? You know, he lit him up in the garden. He threw him to the lions. And yet these apostles come and they say, for the Lord's sake, for the Lord's sake you do this. You be different. You be different. So we're not only to submit to the authorities, but to each other. Philippians 2, 3 and 4, right? Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. But let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So submitting to one another is also a denial of ourselves. It's also thinking more highly of somebody else than yourself. Submit to one another. Serve one another. Be gracious to each other. Right? And in the church, we are also to submit to our leaders. 1 Peter 5.5. 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then again in Hebrews thirteen seventeen, Obey your leaders and submit to them. 
for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be no advantage to you. Brothers and sisters, submit to your leaders, for they keep watch over your souls. Martin and Dick, they will give an account for our souls. They will give an account to God. They will stand before God and give an account. This is the heaviness of being an elder, being a leader. You will give an account for what you have done with God's people. Scary calling. It's a dangerous calling. That's what it is. But as God's children, we are to do what? We're to submit with them with joy. We're to submit to them with joy and not with groaning. So to close this, I want us to look backwards at this now. I want us to look backwards at all of this, right? If we are not filled with the Holy Spirit and we are walking according to the flesh, we will not submit to the leaders, we will not submit to each other, and we will not submit to the governing authorities. We will not give thanks as we should. I got to go backwards in my notes. We will not give thanks as we should, and we will not sing as we ought to. We will let Video games, sports, the news, prestige, power, money, rock and roll, drug, sex, and strong drink influence us if we're not being filled with the Spirit. And if we're not being filled with the Spirit, we will not be wise with our time. We will not be wise with God's will. And we will let everything else influence us. If we're not being filled with the Spirit, we will not walk in light, and we will not walk in love, and we will not be imitators of God. So be filled with the Spirit today so that we will be pleasing in the sight of God, and we will do the will of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word, and thank you for this time. We just ask now, Lord, that you would implant this deep in our hearts, Father, that we would live a life that is honoring to you. Father, your word says that we, would, that we would walk in a manner worthy of the calling of which you have called us. Lord, fill us with your spirit that we will walk in this manner and that we will walk according to your spirit and not according to our flesh. For your name's sake, Lord, may we do all these things. Amen. Please stand. Let's sing our last song. <laughs>